Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. I love it. Forbidden Zone. Hell yeah. Uh, hell yeah. You ever seen Forbidden Zone? I have never seen the Forbidden Zone. Forbidden Zone is a crazy, I, I believe it was made in the 80s. It's like a crazy, weird, uh, like crass B-movie musical where all of the music is done by, I believe, Oingo Boingo, not just Danny Elfman. Oh. But uh, in it, Danny Elfman plays Satan. And uh, when I saw it, it became immediately clear that the robotic devil from Futurama is directly based on Danny Elfman's performance of Satan in The Forbidden Zone. Okay. Great That's flick. Cool. Very, very. There's some weird stuff in it that I think uh, is trying to be edgy, but like by modern standards, uh, leans sort of into like edgelord territory. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's more of a dated thing than it is a uh, you know like an, like an issue with the content. It's just out of date. But yeah, yeah. forbidden zone rules. But anyway, ladies and germs. Uh-huh. Well, well, I that that's the thing I said. Welcome to I like to movie movie, uh, the podcast yeah. about movie movies. And uh, you know, before we get started, make sure you guys remember to please like and subscribe. Uh, interact with us. I know we keep promising a Patreon because we want your money. It is uh-huh. going to happen. Um, it is, uh, I guess we can sort of announce it now, right? Yeah, yeah. We can announce it. So yeah, we are now part of the Movie John Podcast Network. Yeah. Um, as we mentioned in the YouTube episode, Cinema 76 has now joined forces with Movie John. Yes. So everything that you loved at Cinema 76 is now bigger, better, and with even more voices over at MovieJohn.com. All of our archives will be moved there at some point, so everything that, that we have um as writers and as podcasters will still be available where you can find them now as well as in the new place over time but uh please bear with us but also get to clicking check out there uh, this connects us to a lot of really cool stuff other shows other writers different festivals uh essentially our web has gone international yeah uh, as a result of this and uh, it's rather exciting so we're happy to be part of the uh, movie john platform yeah. And uh, so make sure you like, subscribe, and share, and all that. So, okay, housekeeping done. You nailed it. Whew. Yeah, um, take a deep so breath. So, today, we are going to finish our Omen series with Omen 4, The Awakening, yep. followed by, uh, we are going to count down in list form some of our favorite, why is nobody listening to me? movies in honor of the mom in this movie who knows her daughter is devilish and everyone else just blows her off <laughs> yeah there's actually there's like multiple people in this movie that seem to know something is wrong and no one will listen and the movie kind yeah. of maybe answers why at the end but i don't know this movie was i mean we, we'll get into it yeah we'll get into it we'll get yeah in. i have lots of questions yeah i have very few answers <laughs> and i will say that um i was never bored by this movie but um, if I could describe it in a word, I would say that it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I would almost go like same result, but the other way. I was bored to tears through most of it, uh, but I did, 
ideas occasionally go like, this is a good idea. Like there were, it had enough yeah, moments yeah. where I was like, Oh, okay. That I was like, all right, you know, but it was, boy, was I bored. I think with the, the final conflict. Yes. Um, oh, actually I will say that part of the reason why I wasn't bored did have to do with me yelling what was happening across the room to Jenna with <laughs> yeah. like in incredulity. Just yeah. being like, you won't believe what's happening right now. I think they just kidnapped this guy's dog. It doesn't make sense. Uh, for real, and, uh, it does at least have that. That happens fairly often. Yeah. Just weird shit like that. But yeah. I, I actually do want to talk about an aspect of like the making of this that I think could be interesting. But um, I, what I wanted to say was, yeah. in the same way that the final conflict had the feeling of like, oh, that's a smart idea and we're not doing anything with it. Yeah. Just ride that downward slope down pretty far. And that's what I felt about Omen 4, where there was a couple points where I went, okay, that is sort of in tune with what the franchise has established. But either they don't milk it for all it's worth or they milk it in a way that's just like remedial. (laughs) It just did not work. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this movie doesn't have a lot of great ideas, I would say, but it did have enough ideas that I I mean, frankly, the premise of like, you know, 90s new age religion versus uh, Satan is pretty funny, but also like not a bad idea. It's definitely mostly not a bad idea. Yeah, it's definitely mostly just kind of dumb and it's like funny in this movie. Even this movie's depiction of like new age religious mumbo jumbo is like kind of funny, I think. You know, like it doesn't it well, doesn't totally take it I think it's commenting on like the woo-woo of it, yeah. but it's treating psychic and and what's weird is there's really no like embodying term for it, but just like uh I don't want to say supernatural, just like, uh, oh man, esoteric uh, things that are all connected is, is yeah. kind of what they're treating as like new age. Right. I guess new age is the, the thing, but they treat it the same way that they treat Catholicism in the previous entries right. where they're not following the text. They're right. taking the iconography of it and the imagery of it and just kind of creating this assumptive stereotype of yes. how demonry would work in this religion. This is just, but what I like about that is especially when they have like the psychic fair and all that, Yeah, the movie doesn't ever stop to go, man, is this stuff even real? It just kind of wholesale says, like, if the demon shit is real, then so is this shit. And I kind of really love that. I thought that was a really fun way to do it. Yeah, and I mean... You know, like, the the, the yes to everything approach is kind of how I I approach, like, esoterica. Yeah, yeah. Is just like, yeah, aliens, yeah, Bigfoot. Like, sure, I'll (laughs) take it. You know, I I don't need to believe it, but, like, you know, boom, it's in. And so I I kind of like that whole thing that's like, hey, we're playing with demons. So guess what? Psychics are real in this world. And we're not even, it's unassailable. We're not even going to question it. I can live with that. I'm pretty with you, actually. I get it's exactly what you're saying, where it's like, I wish that they did anything with that. You know, it's like the movie doesn't even really explore that idea that much. Uh, Well, through that idea, though, we did get a completely on fire stuntman and a half on fire stuntman. We got like multiple on. I mean, that sequence just kept doubling down on like the only stunt we can put on TV that's even remotely violent is lighting people on fire. Yeah, we gone light the shit out of some people. Like they just kept well, I think lighting it was more just, people. There on was fire. one guy who they just kept checking back in on, and he was just more on fire. And then he would fall into something, and then that was on fire. And like rather than staying down, he just got up and wandered to another tent. Yeah, like it's a tent city. Don't yeah. be on fire there. Get away. It was very well, funny okay, to so me. Let's, let's start at the beginning. 
Omen yeah. 4 is uh, a made-for-TV movie. Yes. 1991? That sounds right. Does Hold that on. sound right? How do we do this every time? It's like, why don't I already have this movie queued up on IMDb I when I start open. the episode? And we, like, dicked around before we hit record. We were just chatting. It's like, there's plenty of time. So, yes, this was 1991, and it is uh, a made-for-TV movie. I don't know, excuse me, where it originally aired, but uh, it follows uh, who we find out. I guess this is a spoiler because they treat it like a reveal, even though, like, it's obvious up front. Uh, It follows Damien Thorne's daughter. Being yes. adopted into a new politics adjacent family. Yes. And um, whereas the first omen we do see Damien as a child, it's more about the ambiguity of how evil is he? Is he evil? Does he know? This is just straight up problem child. This girl knows she's a <laughs> demon. She loves the fucking power that she has, and she's just the perfect little satanic bitch. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, but it is still about the parents to some degree because yeah. the mom, she sort of has the nobody's listening to me arc because she never bonds once with her child. Right. But then the dad has, you know, John C. Riley's role in We Need to Talk About Kevin, which is, oh, relax, you're being dramatic. Yeah. Call, shut your vagina up. You're being dramatic, <laughs> you know. And uh, do you, I mean, it I guess... all plays out like that. I mean, we sp- I know we spoil things uh, constantly in this show, but do you mind if I jump immediately the ending to ask? Do you? Th- I think they imply. Do you? Do you agree with me? They imply that the dad is actually like in on it. Like that's part of the reason the dad spends the whole movie being like, "Ah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. The kid's fine." Is because he's actually no, no. one of these like minions of Satan. They've, I I thought that, and they very clearly uh, say that he's not. Oh, okay. Because the the doctor is in on it. Right. And the doctor has that, like, come on, booby, what are you, uh, we're yeah. in, this is yeah, what we're right. doing, yeah. we're creating yeah. the Antichrist, he's going to be president. Yeah. And then she's like, oh my god, was Greg in, what was his name, I'm just saying Greg, because Gregory. Yes, yes, here, I'll, I'll look She's like, up. did he know? And he goes, oh god, no. Oh, right. <laughs> like, uh, um, Gene, it was Gene. Gene. Okay, so it's close, but yeah, she's like, did, so Gene was, did Gene know? And he was just like, god, no, we got to keep him pure so people vote for him. Okay, like, gotcha. it was very right. much like Gene was also a pawn. Okay. But what I like is that it suggests at least what the movie's trying to drive home is that Gene is the one incorruptible politician. Right. And insofar as like he's so honorable that it's just like I would never betray my daughter by believing she's anything less okay. than the perfect angel we're raising her to be. Right. Granted, she also is doing this weird we need to talk about Kevin thing where she's only exhibiting her dangerous stuff to mom right. and not to dad. Yeah. But yeah. uh it's something I because here's the this is actually not this is a good place to bring it up. This is a made for TV movie, and yeah. the problem with made for TV movies is that they take pacing benefit from commercial breaks. Mm-hmm. So you can same thing like between seasons of a TV show, there's a year where you wait. So it's irrelevant how much time passes between the last episode of season one and the first episode of season two, because no matter what kind of time they want to put in there, that gap does it for us. Yeah, yeah. But if you binge it there's usually some sort of weird shift between seasons because of that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it leads to many different things. Well, the same thing for a movie with, uh, with commercials is that there's certain points where it's clear that they had to cut to commercial yeah. and then it moves to essentially what it like, cause it, you know, let's say this probably had 
15 commercial breaks throughout its entire runtime. Yeah. So it really does have almost 15 little acts. Yeah, yeah. And because they do right around that. Yeah. So there's these act, these miniature act transitions that don't take because we're just watching it uninterrupted. Yeah, yeah. And so with those, like with the commercial breaks there, I think I'd have enjoyed this movie a little more yeah. because I would have been less inclined to be like, why are you doing that? That is so stupid. What, yeah. what is motivating this? Oh, he's president now. Or you're like, whatever. Like, things <laughs> just kept sort of like having already happened. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, you know, had we thought about directing that pace into the edit, these would make more sense. But it's clearly just still leaning on the commercial cuts. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I had, I think, a little more of an issue with just like, and this is like probably kind of rude to say, but it just feels like so anonymously directed yeah, like it, it just there's there's really uh, it, it is absence of style in a way that doesn't even feel like, you know, somebody that knows what they it, it just uh, I don't know. I, I just really felt like it was there was nothing going on really in any kind of like visual sense. I was they were just setting the yeah. camera down and showing me things. I would agree. I would say that I mean, because the. That's one thing I think that has been strong throughout the entire series so far. Yeah. The direction has been really tight. Um, even at three, when it's like yeah. a little dissolved, it's still like there's still some like artfulness I agree. there. This was pretty artless, and the points where it tried to be artful, it was clearly just trying to ape the original on yes. a budget. Yeah, like even like when the guy gets you know, decapitated in the car accident. Yeah. The way they shoot that is supposed to be reminiscent of the decapitations in the first two movies. Yes. But because it's TV, it's just bland. They do like the cutaway to like a ball with a, a happy face on it, bouncing in a separate yeah. scene. Yeah. They did that a couple times where they yep. like suggest a death. Um, and yeah, I, I, it's pretty artless. I will say the very last shot when yeah. they leave the cemetery and the paths in the cemetery makes yeah. an inverted cross. Yes. I was like, nope, nope, yeah. uh-huh. Uh-huh. You're like I'd, I'd like that shot on Instagram. I could, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. into that. Well, yeah. And I actually, I will say, um, you know, th- this movie genuinely had at least like two jaw dropping moments for me. And I did think like kind of when we were doing the kind of the violence, you know, the final destination omen violent things, was like the height of what this was doing. Like any, that was when it was at it was at its best. Usually, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, it was just like all the stuff in between where I was just all the character building stuff was just like very kind of just like set the camera down, capture a performance, like move on. Not you know there was just like not that much going on. I was pretty bored. I I, I mean I and I will will as we get through the plot, there are things that I get excited about as we go, but there a lot of it is just kind of yeah ho hum for me. I think that also has to do with TV yeah, because right. this was before we had like our, you know, before TV was broadcast to be in widescreen, you know, TVs yep. and things like that. So this still, you know, this is directed with TV rules. Yeah. You know, movies is get the close ups on the faces. We want it to be, you know, we're trying to ba-boom, you know, whereas TV is mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, two shots and belly up and things like it just looks different it's a slightly different language at least it used to be yeah um and uh hi jacob and um <laughs> tv is movies now you're right yeah. <laughs> so they direct like movies it is what it is yeah. um but i think that also we had a different relationship with tv movies like this is the kind of movie that is designed that you can walk away from fold yeah. some laundry come back and be like okay i got what's going on yeah. so it's like 
I don't know how to better say this, but it's just a movie that like every line is designed to just fill you in on everything that's happening always. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, we we binge now, but back in the day, TV was a little more passive. And so a TV movie has to be engaging enough uh, that you can dip in and out of it. Unfortunately, when you sit down to watch it all the way through, it becomes disengaging because, you know, for that very reason. Although yeah. Salem's Lot still holds up. That's the best TV movie I ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we I think we both kind of liked that uh, Psycho TV movie. The fourth yeah, month. that was pretty good. I, I think that's like definitely a better movie than this is. You know what I mean? And Stranger Calls Back. I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's another great. top two one. Yeah. But yeah, so there, I was really trying to figure out what concessions I had to make towards it. Just yeah. in in view of it being like kind of a thing that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so and so I had fun with it with that. I mean, it was mercifully short. Yes. It was 93 minutes, I think, something yeah. like that. Yeah. 95. I mean, it was definitely not an hour 40. Yeah. And so that was a sweet spot. So I mean, it was a good one for watching with dinner. I don't mind dropping my uh, cuz I, you know, I think there is stuff we can kind of like keep talking about with this movie, but maybe just to uh this will help cuz this is one of the things I'm excited about with this movie. Okay. Uh, when Michael Lerner showed up, as the he's detective yeah he's great in it i love michael lerner i love when he shows up and shit he played like a bank executive in the movie blank check yep. and i watched that movie a lot growing up i believe his name might have been beaterman for some reason that's like in the back of my brain my whole life beaterman. I, he looks like a beaterman yeah yeah beaterman uh I- he He's Go great ahead, in this, I thought. Like, he's really good in this. He's very fun to watch. And yeah. he's, like, a very believable character. And he kind of outclasses everybody else. Yes. Like, I, it's weird. At every moment he's in the scene, everyone else's acting becomes comparatively worse. And, like, this isn't necessarily... This ain't Oscar shit happening. Right, right, like, right. this is this is what it is. Um, so, I, I don't want to say they're bad actors. But, right. you know, it, it's, it's what it is, Jimmy. It's what it is. <laughs> and... Uh, I did, he, like, but when he shows up, he just outclasses everybody wonderfully. I liked Faye Grant a lot, the woman that plays Karen, the the, yeah. the mom. I thought she was pretty good. Everybody else, I'm I'm pretty much with you on. But Michael Lerner shows up in this movie like lights up. He's like he's so good. He's so fun to be around, and he comes in like late in the movie. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like he's kind of the last act of the movie. And yeah, because I forgot he was in it. I saw his name in the credits at the beginning too. and went, "Oh, nice." He'll yeah. probably show up just to die, and then right. he is like the second half of the movie. He's like the second half of the movie. He's really good and really entertaining. And frankly, like my review on Letterboxd was just like, look, the day you hire Michael Lerner to play, uh, what the hell was his name? Uh, Earl Knight, Private Eye. Earl the, Knight. Is the day that you are no longer making an Omen movie, you are making an Earl yeah. Knight movie. And you need to know that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they didn't know that, but he knew it. Yes. Like, you need to realize that because, I, frankly, here's my big pitch for this movie, how this movie could have worked and been really fun, is this movie comes on TV and is just called The Awakening. And it stars Michael Lerner as yeah. Earl Knight, Private Eye. And Earl Knight gets hired by this woman who's worried about her daughter. And as Earl Knight investigates what's happening to this little girl and around this little girl... We discover alongside of Earl Knight that what he's actually investigating is the second coming of the Antichrist. That would be an amazing movie. And we find out that it's an Omen sequel only in those final moments when it's like, 
actually this crazy health thing that probably is not really real happened to you. And it, actually it's like a boy, you know, that, that whole thing that happens in the last 10 minutes, which you can talk about. And it's crazy, but I if mean, that, that would if be, this that movie would be good. was framed that way, even in just the second half, that would bang yeah. it up so much right? more. Right. Yeah. That would be yeah. good. That would be so entertaining, I think. And it would be fun. Imagine watching that in 1991 on TV and finding out like, Oh my God, the new Omen movie is on my television. You oh know yeah, I mean? yeah. Yeah. Although, you do run the risk of people being like, oh, this is an Omen movie? How many of those were there? Did I see yeah, that? yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Especially yeah, but, in 1991, probably. Oh, yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, he was great. And watching him, I was trying to place what it is I found so compelling about him. Because I always find him compelling. Mm -hmm. But it occurred to me, he is the perfect mixture of Chris Penn <laughs> and Lou Costello. <laughs> of Abbott and Costello. Yeah. And you put that together and you have, like, the 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 extremely talented physicality yes. and body type of Lou Costello and like the very specific and uh, uh, like a character actor who can do a thorough portrayal with a small amount of material yeah. that Chris Penn was really good at. Yes. Yeah. And they're both shaped the same way. So you don't have to buy a new costume. Uh -huh. Those two together. I was like, that's, that's who he is to me right now. And it, it both of them kept manifesting at certain points. Cause like, you know, I, I'm a private investigator. Uh, like, that's a Chris Penn character. Yep. But, you know, tripping all over himself to stop a demon is, yes. you know, very much a uh, he was, Abbott Costello meet a demon. He was doing that thing where he was eating in almost every scene. He was doing mm -hmm. that thing that, you know, you hear some actors are like, oh, yeah, I, you know, the script isn't that interesting. And I know to look and be interesting on screen, I should just be like eating. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I've heard yeah. that story before. And it seems like he very much like is actively being like, what's craft services got handed to me like you know yeah, like yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll just eat during this scene because like a few times the first few times it makes sense like one of the times he's at a bar and he seems to be like eating peanuts while he's drinking yeah. and you're like okay all right and he also is very uh, uh very uh conservative with his beer yes, he like yes. you know takes a little sip sets it down takes a little sip and i was like this and then he left with before finishing it yep. and every private eye in every movie downs it asks yeah. for one more shot downs it and then pieces out he yeah. just sipped his beer and got out of dodge well Classy. but by the end of the movie, I'm pretty sure one of his last scenes, he just has a bag full of something that we don't even actually get a good look at. And it's just like eating it as he goes through like action in the movie. It's, yeah. like, it's really funny. I mean, it's but you know what, though? Are we going to question his methods? Because no, it works, baby. He looks great on screen. Every time I was like, you're so interesting. I love watching like, you. I can't find my motivation, but uh, I could probably find it through a uh, bagel. We got bagels? Yeah. Toss me one of those bags. Everything. Give me an everything. <laughs> Hand me those pork rinds. The makeup lady's like, don't do the everything. The poppy seeds get caught in your teeth. We'll have to reset. He's like, all right, fine. We'll just do a, a garlic. Send me a garlic. Give me a, pass it over. Even the way he like sat down at his computer and was like, tick, 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 use the rudimentary internet of 1991 oh, yeah. to like look this up. I was like, you look like you'd, I, you're making this entertaining. I love watching you Google things in 1991, Michael Lerner. That screen that was on that screen, when they filmed that, yeah. uh, I'm so used to every monitor being a green screen that we just put something on in post. Yeah. The fact that they just filmed an actual computer screen running an actual operating system, that it felt like 100 Christmases in my heart. I was I so happy to see that. And then because they have the luxury of being ahead of the uh, the audience with tech. Yeah. His simplistic use of it was just like kind of how you do that. Yes. He just like typed in a command and hit hit enter and then got a thing. I was like, this is so weird. 
that it's accurate because it's like it's not supposed to be future futuristic. So there's no reroute the encryptions, but it was just like an accurate portrayal of what 1991 computers looked and worked like. I know. I I appreciated that so much. I'm totally with you. I had the same thought. I was like, I can't believe this isn't pure nonsense because it's always pure nonsense between like 1975 and 1995. Like any computer on screen in a movie was just nonsense. You know what I mean? It was, oh, it's a computer. The people at home don't don't understand it. So uh, we screenwriters can call it our do-anything machine. Yeah. So if we get stuck up against a narrative plot, like a plot wall, yep. we can just hit, sit them down at the computer and reroute some encryptions. I'm with you. Yeah. yeah I, I, he, like, he was the best thing in this movie, and I couldn't believe. I was like, I know exactly what I do. If I'm making this movie, I know exactly what I do. It becomes the Michael Lerner movie the moment I cast Michael Lerner. You know what I mean? It like mm-hmm. you flip the whole script around that because that is such like a gravitational performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it would be cool if they did that, and then the big reveal on the kid's hand with the six 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 on it <laughs> yeah. was the was the reveal on like, oh, that's the omen icon. Yeah. <sighs> you know they pull well, a yeah, split because... on us. I mean, can we talk about the fucking ending of this? Because, I mean, the movie is like, I guess to as long as we're here doing it and going through it, I mean, it's like, it's a pretty basic rehash of the first movie, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, it, but you have like, you have both the mom being suspicious of what's going on and the kind of uh, babysitter character. What would you call that? The, yeah. the uh, babysitter is the wrong word. But she was the, like the caretaker. Yeah. And that was the thing, too. Like, okay, you got the runtime of a TV movie, yeah. and you're not going to milk having a caretaker show up who may or may not be in with the... the... It was just like the fact that she, when she first showed up, I was like, okay, this lady's kind of creepy. Maybe she's yeah. in on it. And then I was like, oh, no, she's just... She's our psychic. She's our dream warrior right. here to, you know, just uh, keep things in check. And I was like, ah, boring. Come on. It is boring, especially like, because... The movie like... writes itself if you let it, and they chose not to. That also doesn't go anywhere. That's like a whole yeah. aspect of the movie that is kind of interesting, but after about an hour, it just stops even being like a real concern. You know what I mean? Like the it finale turns out to of the be just movie, a vessel to get to the psychic fair set right. piece, and that's yeah. it. And the finale of the movie has nothing to do with any of that like new age religion stuff. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're back to the classic kind of good versus evil, Jesus versus Antichrist thing by the time you get to like the finale. Yeah. And so it's like it doesn't even matter that any of that was happening in the first hour. It's it's like kind of useless. And it's weird because the way that it's framed, it almost does feel like they were banking on people not having seen the omen. Right. Because it almost feels like or, like they play it almost as a reveal that yeah. like, oh, she's planning to ascend through politics. Right. Yeah. But it's like, if you've seen any of them right off the bat, you're like, well, that makes sense. That's a yes. politics thing. You know? Yes. And so it, there's just so many weird things like that, that I'm wondering who this is for and why. Yeah. Well, and they even, uh, at some point as the movie's going along, they give you this idea of like, they're doing more like kind of mumbo jumbo Bible verses. And they're talking mm. about like that, the, that the antichrist is going to have seven minions that help pave the way for their 42 months in power or whatever, which is exactly like the amount of time a president is in office. You know oh, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so anyway, I don't even dislike that. That's kind of interesting. But like, again, like with the assassin monk things actually make that the movie, like actually yeah. give me those seven people assembling or like by the time we figure out that that's like a plot device kind of reveal for me who those seven people are be like oh it was this person and this person and this person you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there's a way to use that to make kind of an interesting mysterious reveal or 
an interesting dramatic build of story and tension and they don't use any of it that way you know it's mm-hmm. like it's an interesting idea that just is there it's like it's not nothing is done with it really yeah uh, and the movie's kind of full of stuff like that and once again though i do wonder if that is a all you know i mean it's a product of a lot of things but i do wonder what its relationship is to the idea that this is broken up via commercials again right. because you know, that's that's feeling yeah out of for tv movies when you finally sit down to watch them because I, like i remember i would watch something like this as a kid and during a commercial break i would you know i would be my mom would make me go brush my teeth and then you know so i'd miss some of it here or there but it didn't matter because you got back and it was just you know it, like i took a class uh about like screenwriting once and one of the rules at least and this was this was when i was first in college so this is before current tv diets and so the rule was when you're writing a movie that movie has to be the most important day of that character's life or so whatever it is the most important thing that happens to them they are different at the end than they were at the beginning and tv was you need to create the illusion that this is the most important day of their life. But at the end of that episode, it has to be a cold reset to where we started so that if anybody missed this episode next week, we can just pick it up again. Right. And, you know, and so if you're watching like, like that, and so they were, that's probably more of a rule for a sitcom than it would be for serialized television. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like all of these segments that were likely broken up by commercials do follow that rule. Whereas we have a giant, psychic fair fire where there's all this crazy stuff cut to commercial then we come back and it's back to business as usual and we just work towards the next commercial break essentially the next big scene and so everything ends up feeling episodic and so we get the movie feels robbed of this giant arc because it's playing by the tv rules of small locally consequential arcs yeah um but with cold resets at the end because we got to keep the wheels going Yeah, yeah yeah and i feel like that is you know, when you cut out the commercials you and you lose that arc in the, in the movie thing, I feel like that is a very big, I, I think that's a very big factor as to why so much of this feels abandoned. And it's because they never had the goal of finishing these abandoned threads anyway. Right. They're meant to just exist almost as set dressing to this little episodic, you know, cold reset, cold reset, cold reset. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, while you were talking, I remembered that one of the best things in the movie happens early in the movie when she and that kid just fucking start slapping the ever loving shit out of each other. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. I like I couldn't believe it when it started happening. I was like, this is amazing. Lo- I yeah. love that this is in here. She just hit him with a lunchbox. Yep. Uh, it's pretty amazing. But you're, you know what reminded me of that is I realized like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a series of these minor escalations. Yeah. I suddenly remembered like, oh, yeah, early in the movie, there's this whole thing with her like bullying kids. And yeah. then that, and it's and it, honestly, it's like it's not. Gone. It's not that that's not it's just not the most interesting thing in the world. But like, OK, all right. That's what this movie is. Let's go. Oh, it's not what this movie is. We're yeah. on something else. You know, we're out of the um, problem child phase. And now on to yeah. the next. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. Yeah, because that was the thing with that bully. And then once the bully peed himself and the dad got his head cut off, yeah. on to the next thing. They're not yep. people anymore. Whereas, like, in a movie, that widow would probably be involved, being like, yeah. your child's a demon, blah, blah. And, like, right. you know, would get involved in that thing. But here it was just, now nah, we got to move forward now. Yeah. Um, on, to the next, on to the next bit. I do have uh, two notes from the beginning before we move to uh, anything crazy. Is, uh, yeah. One, did they just steal that dog? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because that guy seemed to own that dog, right? He owned that dog. Well, he was yelling at his dog to come back. Yeah. And then uh, he's like, this stupid dog. And she's like, yeah. that dog, 
saved my daughter's life. And then it's just Smash they cut. have a dog now. Yeah. And uh, can we? And I was like, did they? I guess that they either took that dog or or maybe that guy was a dog walker. I don't know. I it was just a weird thing. I like, I like the, to think they just took it. I mean, I like the idea that like maybe somehow. Uh, what is her name? It's Delia. Delia. Delia, which was uh, like Greek for good morning or something. I forget what it was. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, that that maybe Delia used her devil powers to like kill the guy, uh, so that they could have the dog. Feel, feel I mean, all they all they needed was for him to call the dog over yeah. and uh, the dog to just like sit next to her and not come back. Right. And then you know Delia just to do like one of these and the guy to be like <laughs> yeah. fuck the dog and then just he pieces. Yeah. And I'm like that's actually enough. But as it is. The dog just follows them and all silently decide that it's now become their dog. Yep. Yes. I, it, like all they had to do was just show some type of way that something supernatural is happening. Cause yes. in all the other movies, the dog was super done. Um, the other thing I have was, do you remember when she bit the doll's face? Yeah, I do. <laughs> do you remember when they showed the doll with the teeth marks in it? Yeah. That is the craziest thing I think I've ever seen in my life because I know she's technically like just a couple generations removed from a jackal. Yeah. But yeah, uh right. that was I wanna say that was an inhuman bite. Yeah. But that sounds like a cell phone. But I mean that was that was beyond even Damien's abilities to bite that doll. It was pretty wild. I like at first I didn't even really I thought it was like funny that that was supposed to be scary, right? That she's like yeah. she's looking out this window and just like Biting a doll, kind of like it wasn't even clear that that's exactly what was happening. Yeah. You know. Then they show the doll though. With then they show the doll, and I was like, "What the fuck?" It. Yeah. That was that, that was actually one of the more effective things that because it, it made me laugh, but I was also like, "All right, in the reality of this yeah. movie, that's fucking terrifying." Yeah. Like, that's real my, intense. By the way, how about that's one of the one of like five scenes that that black couple that they're friends with is in who uh, never speak throughout the entire movie. They're constantly yeah. in scenes with those characters and they never speak. They're always just in this. They literally have dinner with those characters and they never speak. They're just there to, to, to set dress. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. It, like, it, when, when the dinner happened and they weren't talking, I was like, okay, this is absurd. <laughs> like it really made me laugh. It is insane. Uh, I mean, and you know, it's it's egregious when you see it because that's just something that that was classic for black actors. But yeah. really, anything in the periphery of this movie that isn't like the main two people in the oh, scene, yeah. yes. is is that kind of thing. Like, agreed. Um, you know, it's yeah, it's just it's it's. There's a famous Simpsons joke where Smithers is talking to Mr. Burns. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's uh, Homer Simpson. And he's like, Homer Simpson? Who's Homer Simpson? And he's like, oh, you know, you uh, did this with him and this with him. And kind of, you know, everything about your life is really only known through him. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's this is kind of the way it is. Yeah. And so it's like a meta moment. But like, yeah, that's how the characters on the periphery feel is like, these are not real people. Yeah, yeah These yeah, are people that hang out near the story that's happening. <laughs> you yeah. can look at it. Yeah. For sure. Do uh, you remember the joke that she tells at that dinner? Oh my god! Yeah, I couldn't believe she does a fucking like. Uh, what do they call those guys? Like Catskills comedian joke. She does it. Well, I wrote down the joke. They did. Uh, it's actually a bit that they do really well in both Family Guy and in Hot Rod, where mm -hmm. they start a scene or yes. like they did one on Family Guy that killed me. They had 1984 written on the chalkboard, and like the uh, 
the uh, scene starts and the teacher's like, so what Orwell was saying was it's not perfect, but I'll take it. Okay, so your homework <laughs> for me. And it's like, okay. Or the uh, the hot rod one, the, uh, the dog walked itself home, ate a pizza, and went to sleep. In other news, local <laughs> stuntman Rod's like... So it, the scene literally just starts, and she says, so the doctor says, you're pregnant. And she says, I want a second opinion. And he says, well, you're ugly. Yeah. And then everyone laughs, and then she just sits down to have dinner with them. It's like, it's straight <laughs> up, fuck? like, it's like straight up a Rodney Dangerfield joke, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like an Andrew Dice Clay joke that she's just I like. I thought she was going to do some soft shoe and be like, hotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that made me laugh so hard that that was in there because it's like then, the, the thing that's good, funny about that is not i mean it's funny that we cut in on that character telling a joke at dinner yeah. that is just funny but it's that's such a the dad's joke the dad would have been the guy to tell that joke but what a weird joke to tell presumably in tandem with your pregnancy announcement yes and also <laughs> like the fact that they didn't even try and write their own joke like that is just a joke do you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, it's weird enough that that character is telling a joke like that when we just like cut in on her, let alone that it is just a Borscht Belt comedian joke that I've heard a hundred <laughs> times throughout my life, you know? No, you know what happened is they were like, we need a good joke. And Michael Lerner was like, you want a joke? I got yes, a joke for exactly. you. Exactly. Like, exactly. do you have any pregnancy jokes? He's like, it's all I got the pregnancy jokes. Anyway. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. I, yeah, dude, I would crazy thing. If you told me Michael Lerner was hired for one scene in this movie and he improved his way through an entire hour of the movie, I would believe you that like he just was so compelling and he knew he could get a better paycheck by doing it, and he just invented half a movie around him. I would be like, "Yep, that that's definitely how this happened." Like that's that's the half of the movie that I want. Yeah. Um, because I know we just want to talk the ending. I do. So I had a note that I said the psychic fair is a nice touch, and it gave us a fully on fire stomach. And so yeah, yeah I mean, blah, blah, blah. the sets again. The set pieces are kind of the best parts of the movie, I think, in yeah. general. Oh they're, yeah, they're, they're pretty fun. They're ridiculous, but they're pretty fun. I mean, it is that is sort of the glue that holds at least the first two movies together. Is they have these crazy fun horror set pieces that punctuate the drama. And so, like, this, you know, being just a, a collection of set pieces doesn't quite have that tact. But, no. it, you know, it still does scratch that itch a little. Like, I, a little I get why this this can be of a piece with the Omens, even yeah. if it's, you know, really Very considerably subtle. lower quality. Very subtle, um, yeah. My favorite character is the pimp. Oh, God, yeah. Do you remember the pimp that talks about uh, Felicity, the nun that became a revival preacher that does stuff yes, with snakes? But I, the the reason being at the when Michael Lerner is trying to get some information out of the pimp, um, he hands the pimp some cash, and then the pimp just goes like, "Oh no 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 no," and then he takes it and is like, "Okay, yeah." <laughs> and like it's it's such a great thing that, but like the the interplay that they have there, I feel like that like this guy was probably like a real actor, and Lerner we we agree real actor. And so that was just like a dumb moment where two real actors were like, can we silently establish that this uh, that uh, this uh, private investigator probably bought hookers off this guy before? <laughs> Let's do it. And uh, yeah, it was just like, or at least has bought hookers and knows the language. Yeah. Uh, just by the way they did that exchange. It was such a nice little touch. Uh, and it was such a nice little character moment that the movie is completely devoid of. And it was just like a great thing where I went, oh, look at that. That was some real, that was like a real moment there. 
I agree with you. You know, I'm glad we're actually going through some of this because you reminded me, I said there's like some jaw dropping moments in this movie. I remember dropping my jaw. I remember none of the moments, which is crazy. But now that we're Mm. talking about this, that fucking scene where he goes to the revival to see her perform the snake charming is nuts. It's nuts. And what the fuck are you doing? That, That should be your whole, how is this in your movie, but not what your movie is about? Yeah. Like oh, the, yeah. the idea of the nun that leaves the church because she knows she was involved in like passing along the child of the Antichrist only to become a prostitute, only to then become a revivalist preacher. Like that is a crazy arc for a character to it not was totally be the main the movie, character yeah. in the story at all. You know what I mean? Like she is totally peripheral to the story. It's it's one of those things. Once again, I'll tie it back to my TV theory. Yeah, is that because uh, she, you know, she is like I, I looked her up. She's in a bunch of stuff. She is like an actress. You know, she's yeah. you know she's been in some things and is still in stuff. But I I would surmise that this probably aired over two nights as right. these were wont to do, and that was probably supposed to be an oh I remember her moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which when you're watching TV makes sense. In a movie, it's wait, who is she again? Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying. And well, so, I, I mean, I knew, kinda, who it was. I, mean, I knew who she, I knew who it was, but it was just like I hadn't thought about her in you know 45 minutes. Yeah, I just I just think like that actually is an interesting arc. It's bizarre and weird, but it's interesting. How yeah. is she on the periphery of your movie? How is she not like one of the more central things in your movie when that's like the story you're telling about? You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah, I just oh, think this. This movie constantly like has more interesting ideas than its own premise and never investigates any of them. You know it's what like I, mean? I said earlier, it's it's uh the movie writes itself, yeah. but they didn't let it. They just yes. they wrote around that. It's yes. like, yeah, come on. It's so strange. I'm glad you brought that up because I totally forgot about that snake charming scene and it's fucking wild. And I will say her face makeup when yeah. after yeah. she got bit up by snakes was pretty unsettling. Yep. It was very basic, um, but it really upset me. And the scene where it shows the snakes actually making contact with flesh and biting, yeah. Yeah. that was real snakes biting real arms and stuff. So yeah. kudos to the, we'll call them stunt performers, because that was some pretty wickedly unsettling footage. And- Even if the concept of the scene was him just walking into the church and showing her a picture of the kid. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know what his plan was. He's I like, well, well, I got you in this tub of snakes. Uh, let me show you this thing that's definitely going to fuck you up. Here you go. So weird. Uh, I, I probably, I mean this like legitimately, the best shot in the movie is the slow-mo close-up of the snake that they keep cutting to. Oh, yeah. It looks incredible. It's like one of the most like, I can't describe it. Just as a frame in a movie, it's one of the more like scary, weird things I've seen. For a movie that frame by frame, that actually has like a heightened nature to it that feels like, oh, we're shooting something. Yeah, that, yeah. that that image of the snake, you know, as opposed to like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna point a camera and capture you yeah. know these actors reading the script. That actually feels like they. The snake imagery feels like filmmaking, you know, as it were. Not not to be dismissive of it. I mean, I'm sure there's filmmaking that I'm not seeing. I'm but, with... um, you know, like, that's that's where it really elevates. Yeah. Like it feels uh, like a movie. What else you got? Um, I have a uh, question about 
Michael Lerner, after she dies and after he gets his snake bite fixed, he goes to the abandoned church and sits inside it. Yeah. He looks outside the window and yeah. sees something. And the movie makes it very clear by zooming in on this something and making a huge musical hit. And I couldn't tell what he, what does he see? Okay. I, I caught it. I had the exact same experience you're describing where I was like, I, was, what? I don't, I didn't know. The music hit so the music sting was so loud and so hard. It was like, can you believe it? And I was like, believe exactly, what? Yeah. I don't know what I'm looking. It is you, what, 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 God, I'm doing that thing where I mumble too much. The the um, it's a fence is what we're seeing. Yes. The thing that he's looking at is a fence, and part of it is tipped over in the ground, forming an upside down cross. Okay, I kind of figured it just was not once again shot so artlessly. Yes. But it was very gaudily calling the attention to like this is something, and I, I didn't see it. Dude, I it goes on long. For first of all, that shot is too long. But yeah. it, but it's actually too long because I needed every second of it to understand that's even what I was supposed to be seeing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the final seconds of that shot that I was like, oh, oh, okay, okay, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, I can't yeah, believe yeah. this is, yeah. I mean, this should say everything you need to know about this movie. When it happened, I was looking at it, and I was like, I should run that back. Now, you know what? I'm just going to make a note and see if Garrett knew. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I was like, I don't feel like spending so any funny. more time yes. with it. I'm just going to make a note and I, we'll see what literally, happens. Literally, but it's so funny that you asked that because my brain noted it in the exact same way where I was like, what am I looking at? And I yeah. figured it out right before the shot ended, but I was like, what the fuck are you doing? This doesn't make sense. Actually, the, you said mumbling. It reminds me of mumbling because the cinematic yeah. language was there. Yeah, We both knew that there was something in that shot we needed to see, but they mumbled it. The yes. details, I could not tell what it was. Yes. Um, but that's another thing, too. They There was a couple upside-down crosses, yep. but they needed to, like, to... like It's it's diversified in all the ways that it's shown. Yep. If they could use the filmic language to just, anytime they show the upside-down cross, have a certain music cue or a certain Dutch angle or a certain something to subconsciously let us know yeah. that this is a piece of information to hold on to, then you could do it whenever you wanted. Yeah. But... Since they spoke a different language each time there was an inverted cross, yeah, we run into this moment where it ends up being mumbly. Yeah, it also it was just like literally it's like a fence that's fallen down, but then a piece of it is fallen down in a slightly different way that makes it an upside. And so you just like you don't even know what you are looking yeah. for. It all looks the this, same anyway. It, there were so many details in the yeah. the thing. I was like, it should it needs to be the one thing yep. in the shot. Yeah. Yeah. The other That's thing funny. I wrote down, I forgot about this, and it's weird that I forgot about it because it's the best thing that happened in the entire franchise. Uh-huh. Do you remember when he ran into the demon choir that was singing the score Yo, at him diegetically? Yes. What yes. The fuck? <laughs> yes. That was incredible. I, that I blew agree my with mind. So, because like he, he's having yeah, that, he's doing that thing where like he thinks something is wrong, but he's not sure. And he sees this choir and they're singing and it seems weird and off, but he doesn't know why. And then well, he and at the beginning of the, the vision, they're all they're a normal choir singing normal stuff. Yes, not foreboding yeah. stuff. Right, yeah. right, right. Yes. It's just like carolers. And know? there's a good there's a good uh audio cue too, because the they're not on screen, but you hear the song that they're singing. Yeah. Uh they actually do like la 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 and it, like they do one of those in the background, yeah. which I thought was a good touch. 
but then it leads to yeah i like all of a sudden as this vision continues they become demons like a demon choir like they have this like crazy makeup and like and yeah, it's they like all legitimately look like, pretty creepy they look like they're about to uh go on tour with my chemical romance yeah yeah yes fair yeah uh, but then, as their yeah, choir, because they would I mean, they're but they're doing the Jerry Goldsmith, like and like literally at him, like they're yeah. looking at him. <laughs> they are like physically directing their bodies at him while they do it. Like it is legitimately scary, weird. Like it, yes, I agree with you. That was like actually one of the best things in the franchise. It was so cool. It's another moment though where there is a little bit of art there because they do yeah. that audio thing, which explains. Because we don't know that the score is sort of not the score, but like the the vocals of it is sort yeah. of diegetic at that point. Right. Because we see the normal carolers, they're singing. Yes. Then other shits happening, and during that, their carol kind of like uh, you know, wicka wick is out into something <laughs> you know weird. And then the the goldsmith score, which this wasn't a goldsmith score, it just featured samples of it yes. according to the credits. Yeah. But the goldsmith uh, score kicks in and it has the same choral you know uh yeah. the what you were doing the... <laughs> but at that point we assume that it's just the score now because yeah. the carolers are in our memory and then they emerge yeah. and so it's actually consistent yeah. in how the audio track is diegetic to the moment yeah. um well and but also... i don't know whether that was because of forethought or not I think I, I I really only credit these directors just being like, then we'll, we'll we'll paint a bunch of coral people with like ashy stuff, and then and, and, and then they'll sing the yeah. at him. And but I mean, it, it is a kind of unsettling moment if you're not too busy like choking up snot and laughing. Yes, I agree with you. Like I, it is so crazy and weird. But also that whole vision was wild. Do you wild. remember that that vision starts with him looking in a window at a toy? And he notes for some reason that the toy has like a is basically like a construction arm that is spinning in a yep. circle and has like a you know a big thing hanging off of it as it spins around in a circle. It's spinning yeah. this thing. It's a construction of. crane with a wrecking ball. Yes, right. We what would then a wrecking ball esque right a wrecking ball esque right, thing. Yeah. yeah, and then. Within minutes, his vision turns into this nightmare where the carolers are singing the theme song into his face, and he happens to walk into a construction site where an actual wrecking ball spins around, swings down through the building he's standing in front of, and turns him into soup. And this is Michael Lerner. Yep. Th- yes. Sorry. This is Michael yes. Lerner. This is the yes, Michael Lerner yeah. character. Yes. What I love is he does. Remember the henchman? Uh, I think Michael McDonald played him in Austin Powers with the. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. The the steamroller. No. Yes. He watches that ball swing towards him for a solid like eleven twelve count. Yep. <laughs> it was like, and they show it swinging four different ways. Yeah. But as is now standard in the Omen franchise, it seems if there's one thing that connects all of them besides that fucking dog, it's one person getting turned into an incredible piece of dummy work. Yes, yep. That always happens, and it happens to our boy Lerner here, and that is awesome. It is pretty they awesome. Show it, they show it connecting. They yep. show his body wrapping around it and getting launched by it. Yep. It's, it is as effective as anything in the other Omen movies, yep. and it doesn't fit in this one at all. Nope. <laughs> Which It fits it, in the franchise, but it does not fit in this movie. But I think that that whole sequence 
the whole dream sequence, yes. including the singing carolers. Yes. If you threw that at maybe a, uh, I don't know, Dick Donner, yep. uh, he probably could have taken that exact, you know, five, six pages of script and turned it into a, a much less silly piece of filmmaking. Yes, I agree. Because I had the same reaction. I laughed so hard when those carolers started singing at him like that. That blew but my I, mind. But I also was like, this is incredible. This is like an incredible idea. You know what yeah. I mean? We uh, always talk about the the connection between you know horror and comedy, and there yeah. is a fine line because that's one of those things that the way it is done here, when those carolers showed up, you I would defy you not to laugh. Yes. But a couple tiny small tweaks yeah. in tone, I would defy you to laugh. That's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. And 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 it's it's the tiniest little tweak in tone yeah. that I don't even think I could put my finger on. I'd know it when I see it. Um, but that is that line between comedy and horror that we're always walking and playing with. That's a moment of it right there. Well, and I think also, like, as you described this movie as sort of like the problem child omen yeah. sequel, like, <laughs> I like the of. idea of this Satan, like, fucking with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that, like, where he's do, giving him this nightmare that is like, it's just stri- the carolers are literally singing the theme song to his own movie at him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. I, like, there's something really funny about that. Yeah. And then right when you're like, wait a minute, is the music? That's ah, a wrecking ball. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Wrecking ball yeah. in your face. Also, when saying. the, um, uh, ju- you know, they do the nod to the original one with the, the caretaker lady going out the window. Uh, the dog oh, like, oh, yeah, pushes yeah. her out the window. That was also another good piece of like dummy stunt work. I thought that that like looked yeah. pretty all right. That was cool. I think that the way she landed on the little carousel was pretty unsettling. Uh, yep. That was a great way to work around not making it bloody. Yeah. Um, but then we have that moment where Delia recreates that by landing yeah. on the carousel, and it barely registers that that that's what she's doing because of the yes. way it's shot. Yes. And like tweak one tweak one shot to show yeah. it from the same angle and you have yourself this chilling moment, but it just yes. didn't work. And, and I don't, I don't like to get in the business of talking about whether kid actors are good or bad. Cause I yeah, typically yeah. don't really like them. Yeah. And so, uh, so it's kind of pointless to call them bad, but Delia was fucking garbage. <laughs> I did not like anything about her performance and I don't think it was her fault. I just think she yeah. was a little kid, you know, but yeah, yeah. yeah that was a, Apologies to whoever played Delia. I'm sorry that when you were nine, you couldn't convince me that you were a demon child. I think that's more on me than you, but hey, here we are. I really liked the way she scowled her way through the movie. There was like yeah. something kind of funny about that to me. Well, that's the thing is, I think she got what was needed. I think yeah. she understood it, but it's just like there was no way to frame this performance in a way that wasn't going to look like a kid putting on a performance. Yeah. And these directors, you know, for whatever their goods and bad, I don't think that they're actors, directors. They're probably, you know, just, you know, it's it's, it's a, a job, you know. Yeah. Okay, we got to talk about the ending to this movie because okay. the ending, like, yeah, really do I have any other notes? Blew the my doors off. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so the whole movie <laughs> is a is very clearly, especially if you've been watching these movies like we have, the whole movie is very clearly about the daughter that Damien Thorne fathers at the end of the third omen movie right like yes there's really no question throughout the movie that that's what you're watching um and towards the end of the movie a priest and the mother have a conversation about how the bible is constantly talking about he he him him he he in reference to the antichrist could it be a girl and the priest and this is an accurate thing it's just like oh yeah like 
the the Bible says mankind, like not actually meaning like the gendered man, just meaning mankind. Yeah. Not, you know, could be womankind. He says. So I was like, who is this priest, and how did he get out of twenty twenty one? Right, right. Well, so they, but so the movie goes out of its way to be like, oh yeah, the Antichrist could be a girl. Like that doesn't need to be. So like the only in nineteen ninety one, the only doubt you may have even had about this girl actually being the you know the next in line, they they tell you like, nope, you don't even need to doubt it. Definitely can be the next Antichrist. This whole movie has been about Damien Thorne's daughter. Then they find out that indeed this is Damien Thorne's daughter. It actually is for sure his daughter. That's who they've been raising. So, Dan, done deal. Put a bow on it. That's the whole movie, right? We're wrapped up. It's Damien Thorne's daughter. She's the Antichrist. That's what the whole movie's been yeah, about. Yeah, she is now on a path to political success. No, you're wrong. Ah! You're absolutely wrong. It's what? 1991, and the devil can't be a girl. We can't have it. We got to write about a crazy thing that couldn't possibly be real, where a twin can apparently carry the fetus of the other twin inside of itself for many years and then kind of birth it maybe or have it removed no, oh. from it by surgery i know it's removed by surgery right yeah it's removed by surgery uh because the thing is they they do explain in that great just uh exposition doctor yes uh, doc when when doctor exposition gets to work yes. which i gotta say i'm an idiot because when anytime the doctor talked i was like he seems like a legitimately nice guy and i'm conditioned to think that someone like him would be a creep huh, yep. i guess i'm the asshole and then it was like oh hey duh of course he's an dude <laughs> when they revealed that he was in on it i was like how am i so stupid i didn't see this yeah, coming i felt I disappointed like, in him yeah. i was disappointed in myself um but uh yeah it, that was they do explain the logistics of it yeah, when she was in the hospital after she bonked her head. Uh, it was full that's when horse, they right? They removed the twin and then uh, were able to inject it into the mom or something like that. But I looked into it. Okay, you can be born yes. with a twin in your belly. Okay, but it's not gonna be a person. <laughs> yeah, it's one oh, of yeah. those like tumors that has teeth and hair. <laughs> that's typically what's going on um so the idea that you could extricate it yep. get it into a uh fertile womb and yes. then have it grow into a human yeah. is as far as i could tell in my research uh completely impossible um, yeah. but since i'm not a doctor and i really only just did like 20 minutes of research because yeah, my right. mind was shattered last night by this yeah. uh uh at the very least uh Almost impossible. Yeah. Well, we'll put it that way. Like, almost impossible. Um, so that fully... said, yes. magic demons that have descended from jackals. Sure, yes, fair, fair. To be, per- uh, I'll just allow that. To be perfectly clear, the premise of the Omen 4 is that this is the daughter of Damien Thorne. But she's <laughs> and it been doesn't care- matter. It, she, it doesn't matter that she was ever born. She's been carrying the fetus of the actual heir to Satan inside of her body all this time. And upon turning, like, what did they say? She was, like, maybe, like, eight, right? They keep saying she's an eight-year-old girl. And yeah, they, she's, like, eight or nine, yeah. Because remember the whole thing, and this was weird. This was very weird. The whole thing is she, like, she has this thing where she's riding a horse for, like, a horse riding class or something. She falls off. That was a cool she, scene, yeah. She falls off, and she, quote-unquote, has her period. And they're, yes. like... They're like, how could that be? She's eight years old. She couldn't possibly have a period. And Dr. Exposition explains, ah, it's rare, but it could happen. I wouldn't worry about it. It's rare, but it could yeah. happen. 
not evidence of anything bad. It's rare. It could happen. The reality is what happened is she basically like birthed her baby brother. Right. Like that's I think what they're implying is that well, like either she birthed it or they just used it yes. as an excuse yes. to explain that when you take her home, she's yes. going to have exactly. uh, blood in that area. And trouble. Exactly. So like it, exactly. it could go whether she birthed it naturally. Or they t- I mean, it's irrelevant. Yes. But right. that was that was the cover story for what was really happening. Yes. yes. And then the mother who, by the way, their whole story is that they've been trying to get pregnant and couldn't and had to adopt this baby girl. And much like the original movie. They don't realize who they're adopting, right? The church has been keeping yeah. secret over who it is. Uh, and so, but it turns out Dr. Exposition was a minion of Satan all along and had been meant and placed there in order to, by surgery, extract the fetus of the unborn twin from the female heir, right? And implant it into the totally fertile but Dr. Exposition had been keeping her infertile for the purposes of only being able to be this pregnant this time, right? Like, I think that's the implication that Dr. Exposition yeah. has been preventing her from getting pregnant until this moment. So oh, I didn't even think about that, I but yeah, so. that makes sense. I believe so. I but almost they, don't want to give the movie that much credit for thinking that deep. Yeah. But it would certainly make sense. I, I think that's the whole deal, is that he yeah. is longtime minion of Satan, has been here all along to prepare all of this, right? Yeah. Like the reason that she's would make cho- the most sense for sure. And the reason it she's never occurred to me is because she's the wife of this uh, rising politician, right? Um, I think like probably Bobby Briggs' dad, Major Briggs, is another like meaning of Satan. That was a uh, I I didn't know his name, but that was my first note. Is literally just guy from Twin Peaks. Yep. Major yep. <laughs> Briggs plays like a politician that helps get him elected as like a congressman. I think, uh, in the movie. Uh, <coughs> yeah. And uh, and I believe I think maybe is implied to be another minion that all of these people are in place to sort of like make sure that this guy rises to power in politics to become the president. And that uh, his wife births the male heir to the Antichrist. Oh, and you know you're definitely right because they they had the um they had a specific conversation where she was like, "We tested it. He's completely fertile. I'm completely fertile. We don't know what it is." Yep. Yep. And even the doctor's just like, you know, it's just it's like one of them uh, crazy things. Cool. You know, it's just a crazy crazy thing that just happens so i dude it blew my fucking mind that that's what the end of the movie was that it like the movie went out of its way to explain that no no it's fine for satan to be a girl and then was like no it's not we're gonna do this whole crazy other thing to explain that satan couldn't possibly be a girl and it's like because it's all done where he just explains it to her while she points a gun at him yes um is it's just when while while Bobo Virginia Madsen points a gun at him. Yes. Um, it, it's one of those things where it's like another another moment where you're like, man, we could have worked all of this into the texture of everything yep. up until yeah. this point, and it wouldn't feel so much like a like almost like yeah, we just can't have a, a demon girl. Right. I know. <laughs> I just want to grab them and be like, uh, newsflash, you're not getting a sequel. You can do whatever you want here. Yes. Like, you don't have to bank on another one. And I mean, frankly, it's like, I don't know if that's actually the motivation for doing that crazy reveal at the end. It's it just feels hard like not it to might feel that be... way when it's... Yeah. Well, I, it's to me, it's... it's. I don't think it's necessarily rooted in express sexism. Right. So much as it's just rooted in you know, that kind of stuff is just going to infect when you're going, how do we do something fucking crazy here? And, yes. uh, you know, and, that, and that's pretty much what it feels like is let's do something fucking crazy. Right. And 
it feels okay. like they need like a big twist ending that like just like does not land. I mean, it's legitimately nuts. You know what I mean? Like I did. I was like, holy shit! I can't believe that this is what the end of this movie is about. But it's not uh, good. You know, it's oh, like yeah. it's just like it's so bizarre. It's like it's See, really dumb. Here's what you do with that. Instead, yeah. we go back. We're gonna do half of it as a Michael Lerner movie. But if we're gonna change the uh, the canonization of it, is they adopt twins. Yes. And the whole movie, it's looking like Damien part two and their son is blah, 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 blah. No good. And when they finally make peace with the fact that he's no good, we find out that he is just a pawn and she's the one that's no good. Yep. Shocking, thrilling, subverts just like that latent, like coding of it's got to be the guy. Yeah. The whole thing. Once again, it writes itself from there. Like, if you're going to invoke a twin, that is a perfect opportunity to bait and switch. It's a perfect opportunity to either pair them up and make them children of the damned or break them apart and make them children of the court. Or, you know, like, there's there's certain... Yeah, it seems so obvious, but instead it's just this weird thing that involves... If you've got to explain a medical procedure in an expositive... In what's supposed to be a passionate moment of exposition with a gun to your head, yeah, you're fighting a losing battle. Like, yeah. I, I don't think you're. Yeah, that scene yeah. also unfolded in such a funny way, where like I, there was a moment like when it's when she started like throwing books at him and being like throwing. She literally had like all these highlighted passages where she was like, "And what is this? And tell me what this says. And yeah. tell me what this means." he was giving exposition so fast and she was throwing that stuff at him so fast. I had a moment early where I was like, hold on, wait, what are we doing? And then, <laughs> yeah. and then she threw him the diagram with like the name <laughs> of the procedure and was like, and explain this. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. What is that? What are we doing? Yeah. Okay. I guess explain it to me. Hold on, do it. Oh, that's what we're doing. Holy shit. Like, yeah, you're, you're yelling at him to explain it, yeah. but not in a, uh, not in like an insolent, like you explain this to me, bad guy. It's like, can you actually please explain this? Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. I, I, can you clarify for me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll decide how I feel about it emotionally when I understand the information, but right now I got nothing. Yeah. It was like, it was very funny the way that whole sequence unfolded. And I don't remember her ever even really gathering or inspecting all of these documents. Right. No, me neither. That's why it was yeah. so like, I, I, I just started pulling them out when like, it started oh. happening. I was like, I guess what? you just what? did research during the yeah. commercials. Yeah. But see, that's the thing is that's what would automatically be in your head. If it was on TV, you go, oh, that's what she did during the commercials when I was getting a snack. Yes, yes, yes. You right. know, and like you wouldn't specifically say that, but I think that no, I is hard coded into the heart of the 1991, uh, you know, viewer of of the Omen Four. <laughs> like yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's oh, that's you know, that, that's um, I'm trying to think of a really good example. Uh, ah, shit! It happened on a show where where I was binging it, and the second season was just like a huge a huge change in circumstances. And then it occurred to me, I was like, Oh, if I waited a year for this, this wouldn't be John. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, cause like it, it, but when you just jump right into it, it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah uh, this was, was this yesterday? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the thing is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you want to, I mean, I, I feel pretty exhausted on Omen four. I feel pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Um, you want to dive into real some lists? quick. Yeah, we can dive into some lists. Let's just real quick. Uh, because we've been talking so much smack, um, oh. I just want to announce that the directors, there's two directors. The yep. one is Jorge Montesi. Yep. Uh, apologies if I don't pronounce that correctly. 
and it looks like he is like a television director um has a couple movies here death target is one of them which Great is title. also called sentimental reasons worst title well that's another one of those you know like zebra killer yeah um soft deceit he did a movie called birds of prey um which stars him um so yeah so you know he's like a workman yep um it would appear oh well maybe it's a picture of him in a role i can't tell uh he only has one picture but it would appear he has a face tattoo Mm. now here's where it gets interesting the second director is dominique othenin gerard Mm -hmm. halloween five whoa really yes I did not know that. Um, how, I those late in the game Halloween sequels don't all do it for me. I know there's like love for them, but I like in the in the four, five, six realm, five's the best. I, I, I like five. All right, that's cool. Yeah, but, um, which oh yeah, did you get to a uh, zombie two yet? Not yet. Oh man, I'm very curious what you think about that because I feel almost exactly the same way as you about the first one, where it's just yeah. like I, I don't get what they're going for here, and yeah, I yeah. don't think what they're going for here lands. But yeah. the second one, I forget who it was. They described it on Twitter a while ago. They said it's essentially Halloween Firewalk with me. Oh, cool. And I was like, you know what? I like that description. I don't even know if I fully understand it, but tonally, I dig it, and I like both of those things to a similar degree. So yes, yeah, so Dom- Dominique. Othenin Gerard is a Frenchman, so I don't know uh, how to pronounce that. Mm-hmm. Now, the writers. So, I mean, we have David Seltzer just as characters, but yep. one of them is Brian Taggart, right. who uh, wrote V, oh, which yeah. was uh, a great 80s. It, it falls off at the end. I actually have the DVDs of those. And uh, I, Robert Englund got his start in those. I think this stars, this movie stars someone that starred in V. I think maybe the mom is also one of the stars of V. That makes sense because she did look familiar, and yep, that is her. Yeah, yep. I haven't watched it in a while, so I didn't make the connection. So that's that interesting that they uh, they they must you know he must like working with her or something you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, he also did Poltergeist three. Oh, okay. Wrote that. Um, he did that. Uh, this movie I've actually seen, Wanted, Dead or Alive, with uh, Rucker Hauer. Ooh, love that's Rucker a Hauer. Late night, late night on HBO classic. Um. Oh wow! He even uh, wrote. He adapted the uh, the Stephen King short story, Trucks, which Ooh. is also what Maximum Overdrive was was named after. But I uh, think I've seen Trucks. I feel like I remember watching that on TV as a child. Well, the slogan—I don't know if you can see it on the screen. There, <laughs> is, you turn, you die. You die. Uh, which is funny because you can't do a U-turn in a truck. I feel like I remember watching that on the Sci-Fi Channel as a child and really enjoying it. Well, he has a story credit. And then also uh, Harvey Bernhard, who has more of a producer credit. Yeah, but, he, um, is he the he producer wrote, of these movies in general? Yes, and he also did. He has a story credit on two and four. Yeah, but he has an acting credit in one and three. Ah, perfect. <laughs> uh, but just as like man walking and right. U.S. Embassy guy. Um, yeah, so he's like a producer. The only other. Yeah, and so then Brian Taggart wrote the teleplay. So there's a little bit of, of uh, Omen horror history potentialism yeah. there, and like so, I guess that's typically the way when you get into the deep sequels. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I you know, not my fave. This was one that was yeah, not my fave. Definitely like a big and like three was like a, a dip down, 
Yeah. But I, I think we both came out of that still thing enjoyed still it. like pretty good. Yeah. This one was a pretty, pretty big dip for me. I, I yep. did not love this. I'm with you. Um, I, I was able to enjoy it as a fascination Yep. as sort of an artifact of this experience we've been going through with these yep. movies. Yep. And as like, uh, you know, like as an investigation into what went wrong. Yeah. Like I kind of obsessed over the idea of like what pacing means in a television world, especially yeah, now yeah. that we've lost it. So like, that was really a lot of fun for me, but like, I am positive that I will watch all three of the previous Omen movies again before I die. Just yeah. as positive as I'm just probably never going to watch this one again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, yeah. I don't see it. So, you know, I, I, it was a fun way to end it, but I can see why The Omen is still considered a trilogy. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It definitely feels like a uh, perhaps a lost movie that can stay lost, that kind of thing, right? You yeah. <laughs> I would show um, it to people like... Oh, I, like, it's not without its merits. There's a couple of scenes yeah. where it's like, okay. This is the kind of movie that I would love, like, in front of a certain person or people, I would make a passing reference to it just to see if anyone takes the bait. Yeah, yeah. And if they don't, I won't drop the bait again. I will move along because it's not that important to me. But if they take it, I'll be like, shit, all right, we're going to be, we're going to be all right. Yeah. Um, well, let's, uh, let's move on to our list. Some, all right. I'm ready to talk some, uh, what, what did you call it? I really liked the way you uh, phrased it. Why won't I forget you what I said me? in our text. I, I had a crazy day at work today, so I missed. Uh, it was why dude, won't you listen? Oh, yeah. So I came back to our big group chat yeah. in the afternoon, and there were hundreds of uh-huh. messages. Hundreds. And I, I did not even try to catch up this Oh, I, I all the time don't <laughs> catch up with like, our group chat. Because I it's been a crazy week at work. Yeah. And so when I checked, I was just like, <laughs> I was that gif of that guy like, yeah, no, this is the most I've ever seen. But I hope everyone's okay. That's really the, <laughs> the point okay. of that. Is everyone's usually fine. I roll back because when it's heavy, it's like, oh, we're upset. And yeah. Someone no, needs some, some assurance. I was like, I hope we're okay. Um, all right. So what did I call this? I called this. I nobody called is it, listening to B movies. Yeah, um, but it's all caps because it's uh, you know nobody is listening to me. Yes. And uh, it's a trope that is used in horror quite a bit because there's something inherently terrifying about not being believed when you're telling the truth um there's also something very funny about uh i mean curb your enthusiasm is a show of miscommunications as such um so yes so this is the why why is nobody listening to me uh i feel like i came list. up with some good ones here uh i didn't rank I do one. too I just, like have a pile of them here basically one, two, three, four, five. okay so here's what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna say this to get it out of the way i'm not these aren't on my list it came up in the show. We need to talk about Kevin is kind of the ultimate one. Okay. The Lynn Ramsey yep. movie. Have you seen that? I have not. I would like to. It's a good movie. I remember when I saw it, I was like, I wish somebody just said, hey, can we talk <laughs> yeah, about yeah. Kevin for a second? But yeah. I don't really remember enough to know if that, excuse me, if that criticism still holds. Um, yeah. But I would like to watch it again. But I really want to read the book first. Mm. There was also the Sam Rockwell, Vera Farmiga one, Joshua. That I remember oh, I being pretty cool. That. Yeah. Uh, just you know, dickhead kid. Parents can't understand that kind of thing. And then just as a as a joke, as a as a list entry, and it's not going to be on my list. I just wrote every Ben Stiller movie. Oh yes. 100%. Every Ben Stiller movie. Yep. Every Fockers movie. Uh, you know, everyone. Uh, what was it like the, the comeback? Heartbreak Kid. Comeback Kid's a Mulaney special. Uh, right, Heartbreak right. Kid. 
all that stuff is just poor Ben Stiller being unable to explain himself because no one gives him a chance and shit spirals out of control. So yes. with those out of the way, I do have a list. But uh, okay. do you want me to start or do you want to start? Yeah, well, I mean, I just have like a pile of them here, basically. So like if you maybe want to go through yours, if you like feel any kind of way about your ranking, you can, okay, uh, can rank yours. I have not much to say about either. So I'll just do my five and then we'll do your pile. Okay. So this one I can't really say too much about because we talked about it last week. You haven't seen it. Take Shelter. Oh, yeah. I would love to see this movie. Take Shelter but, is Michael Shannon's characters uh, obsessed with the fact that there is an apocalyptic storm coming. Right. And so the question is, is he tuned into something above us all or does he have uh, is he is he having a break? You know, like what's happening here? And uh, oh, man, you got to see that movie. I don't want to say anything like that, but the drama comes from he truly, truly does 100 percent believe and know what he's saying to be true. Right. And the people around him truly know that this is just crazy talk. Right. And the poor audience, we don't know who's telling the truth. Um, so one, two, three. Oh, um, so then the next one I said was uh, every Freddy movie. Oh, sure. Every yeah. Freddy movie. This is credit to Jenna. She said that. That was the first thing she said. She was like, well, like Dream Warriors. Well, every Freddy movie. Because yeah. there's always someone saying, you know. Now, that one is a little different because as we learn, as they develop, the parents do know this to be true. Sure, sure, And they're sure. dosing kids with hypnocils so that they don't dream <laughs> yeah. and all that crazy stuff. Um, so then I have... Uh... <laughs> you ever see Clifford? I never, I never did see Clifford. The Martin Man. Short movie, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Clifford is crazy. <laughs> Man, I love Clifford. It's been years since I've seen it. It's it's not like it's necessarily a great movie, but it's like dark yeah. and weird. Okay. And the fact that Martin Short plays a nine-year-old boy. He does not play an adult playing a right. nine-year-old boy. There's no reveal on that. Yeah. He, he doesn't have any disorders, nothing. Right. He is a normal nine-year-old boys so that right. level there makes it funny the fact that his dad is charles groden and charles groden literally yells every line in the movie <laughs> it's pretty abrasive but the story is that clifford's a bad boy and charles groden knows that he's a bad boy but everyone else is like why are you so that's clifford he's harmless he's nine. <laughs> and so the humor is derived from that um, and it is funny, though, because the world does have to pretend that this like man in his 40s looks like a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> but it's a weird movie, but I, it's very funny. And Martin Short's doing something very unique and weird here. But the narrative thrust comes from he's a little asshole, but everyone thinks he's a little angel, yeah. except for the father figure. Yeah. I don't think it's his dad. I think it's like his uncle. Um, so my number two to that, would uh, moving on from that, would be Child's Play. Child's Play is the ultimate. That's a great one. I didn't think because of that. Because Andy, uh, yeah. he, uh, everybody goes, oh, a little, don't be afraid. It's just your imagination. You haven't grown into your brain yet. Oh, you got quite the imagination. The world's, the world's not as scary as you think it is. You're just little in a big world. You're a little kid, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, this doll is murdering. And they're like, yeah, of course. I always was afraid of dolls too, you silly kid. Yeah. And, you know, the movies become something different as they go, but like that is the heart of the original movie is that nobody believes Andy. Yeah. Like much more than the hook of it being that Charles Lee Ray is back as a doll. Right, right. Is nobody believes Andy. That carries on to the second one and even into the third one a little bit. Um, you know, and they, they use elements of it 
in the later ones where the dolls lean on the fact that it's an impossible situation they're in so they can get ahead. They can, you know, pull a fast one, but it is, it is kind of the thematic hook where the theme ties to the plot is right there in child's play. But my number one, nobody's listening to me movie is tied to Ben Stiller actually, because he directed it. It's the best American comedy of the 1990s. Ladies and gentlemen, the cable guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. That is a really good answer, actually. It's because that that movie, no one knew how to take it because Jim Carrey was goofy guy and he right. was doing something with some pathos here and, and really good, if, if I do say so. But the thing about about the cable guy is nobody. Re- it was kind of a lesson in dark humor for a generation. Yeah where they went in expecting a certain thing and got something else. And so immediately thought, ah, it's bad. And there's been a big turnaround on it. People realize like, Oh no, this is a smart movie. But I think what unsettles people is that it's legitimately scary. What happens to Matthew Broderick's life in that is, is not cool. It's unfair. It's, it's mean spirited. It's unsafe. And it's, it's done by somebody who's so deluded that they think they're doing the right thing. It's really horrifying. Like it's, yeah. it's a really, really upsetting thing. It's the stuff of nightmares. It just happens to, you know, star someone who's legitimately comedically brilliant. So it's yeah. hilarious. And, yeah. you know, with Ben Stiller directing, I, you know, it is a comedy. Yeah. Um, it, it is meant to be funny, but that's a scary movie. And what's scary about it is that the, the villain seems so innocent to everybody but the victim right and that's yeah. a really scary place to find yourself in and, and cable guy unsettles it's funny because that description describes like all of the movies that you've talked about but is like in the context of that movie in particular feels like very like dark and stressful you know oh yeah yeah like, i'm i'm reasonably sure that i'm never going to be in a situation where i have to contend with the soul of a serial killer having mm-hmm. invested with but I have definitely dealt with people that cling. Yeah. And I have definitely been in situations where it feels like my, we talked about it on the plumber. I was just going to say the plumber is actually kind of like this movie. Yeah. It, it, it just in the same way that you watch under the skin and go, God damn it. She'd have killed me. Yeah. Um, the same way you watch the, the in Munich, the thing I always talk about and go, God damn it. That hit woman would have killed me. Right. Right. The cable guy probably would have got me. Yeah. And it's that's scary. And I think he probably would have gotten most people because we want our cable. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, uh, as you were talking about the cable guy, I was like, oh, the plumber is a why won't you listen to me movie? Yeah. But like it didn't occur to me until you were talking about the cable guy. And actually, a lot of the horror in that movie is not derived from scenes between her and the plumber. It's scenes where her husband dismisses her concerns. Yes. Yeah. Like those are really the ones that are the more effectively like upsetting ones. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah, uh, cable guy was my number one. That was the first thing I thought of as soon as the the topic came up. What do you got? That's great. I mean, I just have a pile of stuff here. I thought of Edge of Tomorrow is a movie where Tom Cruise is oh. constantly trying to convince people what's happening to him and no one will listen to him. I do love that every movie that's on a loop yeah. has to reach a point where there's an understanded shorthand that yes. they can that they can like like the trump card that makes a person believe. Happy Death Day does it. Yeah. Where you get to a point where they can't keep showing that so they yes. have to pull a trump card that makes that person immediately believe so that the later loops yes. can show us 
plot that happens later in the loop day. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's a tough writing feat, and Edge of Tomorrow pulls it off really well. I know. So, yeah, I, that's a good one. I like that movie quite a bit. Uh, I thought about um, Fright Night is another pretty good example. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's like, Fright like a at, great example. Like, at some point, I, if I remember right, he is so desperate to, like, make sure someone does something about the vampire that lives next door to him. He reports that his neighbor is a murderer to the cops, which yeah, like yeah. should work because the guy is murdering people. You know what I mean? But then like the, the you know, the cops don't find anything or, you know, and so like I believe he ends up breaking down being like, OK, fine. He's not a murderer. He's a fucking vampire. Like he like says yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, he's trying to convince the cops he's a vampire. It's a pretty funny version of this, I think. I want to watch that again. It's been a while. It's Same. Literally, when we did the episode on the remake. That was the last Probably. time I watched either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I That's realized- a good one. I, I thought about this, uh, you know, one of my all-time favorite movies, and they both have it. Uh, Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 have extended sequences where no one will believe the Ghostbusters. And they That's just need people to believe them. Wait, that happens in the, the Lady Ghostbusters, too. It does. That's true. The right, best yes. scene with the, uh, don't yep. be like the mayor from Jaws. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I believe in Ghostbusters 2, they get sent to, like, an asylum and there's yeah. like a whole bit where Bill Murray's like, you know, if you act crazy, they'll know you're not crazy. Like, there's like a whole like, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, because they, they, uh, at the court with the Scolari brother. Yep. Yeah. Okay. It's all coming back to me. Yeah. Uh, I thought about Terminator yeah. 2. People Term- don't like Ghostbusters 2. Oh, Ghostbusters 2 is very fun. It's great. That's yeah, a great very movie. Fun. Very fun. People are crazy. Anyway, uh, go for it. Yeah. Terminator 2, also a great Why Won't People oh, Believe yeah. Me movie. Uh, you know, Sarah Connor spends most of her life uh, trying to make people believe her. Uh, they Live has the longest fight scene in movie history over <laughs> whether someone will belief. believe him. I just watched that last week. Yeah, I, uh, I actually pulled Jenna into the room because she was like half watching. And I was like, you got to watch this fight scene. It's about yeah. glasses. And yeah. the only reason it exists is because Carpenter doesn't like to waste value. And he had a wrestler on his payroll. <laughs> yeah. That's all. So, I mean, that is uh, that whole sequence is about people believing. Uh, I mean, the thing is kind of about like, uh, yeah, but um, that like weaponizes the who can you trust thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and please listen to me. The only other one I I threw on was, um, I feel like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, especially like the original one, uh, kind of like ends on that note of like they're coming next, they're coming traffic, you know, like, yeah, Yeah. I, I feel like that is like. I don't know, maybe one of the early examples of this kind of like, you know, I'm going crazy because no one will listen to me and I'm right. Yeah. I, that's, I left like, I left that one off just because I figured it was, uh, I was trying to avoid like two direct horror, like Rosemary's Babies. Yeah. yeah. Obvious. Um, yeah, although, uh, yeah, but uh, like Stepford Wives is, is one that, uh, that would fit this too. Yeah, totally. Yes. Really, anything Ira Levin wrote. Is, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it's the uh, uh, you ever read Diary, the Chuck Palahniuk yeah. book, where he like tries to do an Ira Levin. Oh uh, yeah, that yeah. was uh, it, it was pretty good. Um, I like that book. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, that's a good one. I I'm actually still stunned at, at the the first one you said. So now oh, I've lost it. Now I gotta I'm just look at my list stoned. to tell you what the first one I said was. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. That's it. Yeah. Sorry, I lost it. It was, uh, you know, things, things cause memory loss, short term. Sorry. Um, yeah, this Tomorrow is a up. really, really good one. And I, uh, as I understand it, there was for a while potentially going to be a sequel yes. that follows Emily Blunt's character going through it. I think so. 
Can I tell you how many ways I want that movie? Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. That would yeah. be amazing. She rocks. I mean, that's one of the best things about Edge of Tomorrow is that, like, you know, Tom Cruise basically used his own star power to kind of like help raise her star power. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that movie is kind of a backdoor Emily Blunt movie. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Bill Paxton. He's yeah, great yeah. in that movie. A so lot good. Of fun. Really fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. I, I rewatched. Like, you are going to make Emily Blunt a star, yeah. and we are the gold standard. <laughs> yeah. And I will, I will never do another movie unless you elevate Emily Blunt. Yeah, exactly. I. You she, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you, man, I love that audio. That shit is amazing. I, it's great. Well, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, man, like you're on the hook for probably millions. Like you got to get this movie done. At the same time, I, I, I'm just not a big fan of yelling at people in general. Yeah, yeah. But something about little sweet baby Tom Cruise is this little tiny guy yelling at people and them having to be like, motherfucker jumps out of planes. I can't yeah. even, I'm not stepping to this. I love it. I'm, I'm with you. I feel like I'm very complicated about that. But at the end of the day, there is something just highly enjoyable about listening to that guy yell it's like enjoyable. that. Yeah. Until, until I find out that there's consent issues on board. I am going to enjoy the fact that army hammer eats people. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Like if it's his Richard gear gerbil story, I fucking love it. If it's <laughs> criminal, then yes, we need to do something about it. But until then army hammer eating people is one of those things that you could not write. <laughs> and it exists nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> and that blows my mind. And like, you know, I don't think I need to qualify where I stand on where the line is on that. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah. I, right. I will say that until that line is made clear, uh, big, deep voice, Lone Ranger boy, Winklevi, uh, uh, getting, a, getting a big old boner for eating people is one of those things <laughs> that's just like, I could have thrown a million balls with a million plot points into a scrambler, pulled out 10, and never come up with something so bizarre or delicious. It is funny to think about, like, 20 years, that would have been, like, you know... Uh, a newspaper headline but like buried on like the fifth page and mm. we'd all be like we'd read it and be like huh rich people are weird <laughs> yeah you know it's yeah, like that's the thing. Yeah. there's so many levels like he's he's freakishly tall he's got this crazy deep voice jen actually says that uh it's he always sounds like he's in slow motion <laughs> <laughs> and um but he's like he's cripplingly handsome he has the strangest choice of movie roles yeah and uh, his name is literally Arm and Hammer. He's been yep. richer than I'll ever be for his whole life, and he might get a boner from eating people. Yeah. That is... I mean, it's definitely the most rich people shit I've ever heard in my life. It's the most know? rich people... Like that's, And that's the other thing, is that all of this is somehow, as we descend into class warfare, yeah. not even remotely surprising. Yeah. And so until uh, it becomes... Like I said, until it becomes confirmed criminal... I'm at least going to enjoy the magic of the fact that it even exists. That's really uh -huh. where I'm at. I hope everyone's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> Let's clarify yeah. that. But I, you gotta, you gotta take the ride. Like oh, you gotta yeah. take this ride. It, it's just, it's fucking wild. I know. Well, and uh, his name you know. is Arm and Hammer. That is yeah. his actual name. Wild. It's wild. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. That's crazy that's some rich people shit being like, hmm. yeah, we, we do share a, a familial name with a, uh, with a, uh, a baby powder. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I'm sorry, baking powder, not baby powder, but baking powder. Um, now, you know, let's just stick with it. Let's just stick with it. We got the money. Let's roll with it.
It is Arm and Hammer is yeah. so funny. They're like, can we just name him Bob Hammer? And they're like, nah, stick with Armand. It's both his grandma, grandfather's name and uh, name of a baking soda. Let's yeah. go with it. We're rich. We're rich. We're rich. Let's crazy. I wonder, if they, I wonder if they thought maybe that was how they could stand to make like more money is by like naming their kid after like another multi-billion dollar corporation and somehow <laughs> like siphoning off of the recognition that comes with his name. It's like when people buy domains that they can sell them later. They named him Arm and Hammer in case the Arm and Hammer company decides they need to buy him. Yeah. And they would just they would just sell Army Hammer. <laughs> He's owned by Arm. That's actually how this should end. If it turns out he did something criminal, his punishment should be that he can only work as the spokesman for Arm and Hammer baking soda henceforth. Arm and Hammer. Arm and Hammer, that deep-voiced motherfucker. Is that where I'm, we're gonna end it? <laughs> I know. It's, I've that's literally right. the my silence is all just me trying to find a way to transition out of this to the end of the show. Um, I'm sorry that I brought us here. It's just it's that's it's fucking cr- the fact that the hammers might just be the family from the girl with the dragon tattoo is so good. I also just calling them the hammers is yeah. uh, just inherently funny to me. They couldn't name him Sledge. They could- yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, they might as well have. They might as yeah, they might as well have. All right. Yeah. So um, we'll get out of this by saying that. Just everywhere on the internet at I Like yeah. Two Movie, the, the numeric two. I Like Two Movie at gmail.com, Facebook.com slash I Like Two Movie on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Letterboxd at Philadelphia. You can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. And you can find me on MovieJohn.com. Uh, I am at Dan Scully on all the things. Moviejohn.com, Findy.com. Check out, excuse me, Hot Property. Check out Dumpster Fires for you on Instagram. And, uh, okay, so we can end on a lighter note. Uh, later tonight when I'm good and drunk, I'm going to watch this shiny motherfucker in 4K. Creed and Creed 2. Creed and Creed 2. I just got my 4Ks of them in the mail. Nice. And I cannot wait to watch that Coogler-directed fisticuffs and pugilism uh, on my Creed DVD tonight. I can't wait. Creed is so good. I love that movie. It's, my name have is you Gar- seen Creed 2 yet? I have not seen Creed 2 yet. Oh, I man. Not. Uh, it's, it's, my- it's decent. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see it. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because we, we like, like to, to- Bye-bye!